Giamona is a local employment lawyer at Ferber Law and is dedicated to serving Brentwood and the surrounding communities. She grew up in Clayton attending Crondelet High School and was raised by her Italian and Catholic parents. For nearly three decades, she's been practicing labor and employment law and states that she's a passionate and loyal advocate for business owners. Besides representing clients in lawsuits and hearings, she also offers proactive advice concerning such things as employee hiring, compliance, discipline, termination, etc. She enables her clients to dodge bullets by helping them avoid conditions and circumstances that could lead to a crisis down the road. She is also actively involved in health advocacy and engaged in educating marginalized people on how to secure the medical and public resources they require. Let's welcome Julianne Giamona. Hello, Julianne. Hi, nice to see you, Trisha. Wow, that was quite the introduction. Thank you. You're welcome. And I bet you had no idea we would use that little photo that I took at the expo. Hey, that was quite the shock. I've never even seen that photo. And yes, that, like I say, that was quite an introduction. I had no idea. Well, it, really it surprised been, me. It has been a pleasure knowing you and then getting to know you even more through the article in the current issue of the 110 magazine, everybody. So this is a nice, wonderful four page spread. And you talk about some really important topics in your life and in your business. So people need to check that out. If they've got their copy, we're always online. Um, yeah, let's just have a little quick conversation and tell me, I always wanted to be a lawyer. I really felt like I had that in my DNA, but it didn't work out. So tell me about your journey to becoming a lawyer, because I'm, I'm fascinated by that. Well, I'm not going to say that I always wanted to be a lawyer because um, I was recently cleaning out some paperwork, as I'm sure all of us were spring cleaning with our COVID time at home. Um, and I actually found something that I, I had saved since the fifth grade. I was like 10 years old and it was, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it was called, and on the outside it said, who, me, a nun? Yes. And it goes into why I want to be a nun and how important it is. And I just had to laugh. I didn't even remember doing that. But even in high school, as I got older, I, I never said I wanted to be a lawyer. So I can't say it was a lifetime thing. Um, I really um, have always been interested in, in advocacy work, um, public policy work, and um, advocating for people. And of course, that's what a lawyer does. And so um, I was a paralegal right after um, I graduated from college with a large law firm in Los Angeles. And I happened to get put in their employment law section. And I absolutely fell in love with employment law. And I said, you know what, I really want to represent these clients myself. And I went to law school and I just loved it. Um, and I've been doing the same thing for 30 years, which is only representing employers. Um, and many people always, um, when people that knew me growing up, people that knew me in high school and even college, um, thought that I would be representing employees, not employers. Um, and what I always tell people is it's not that different. It's you're still serving um, a population that is 
greatly in need. And most people don't see that with California employers. So I do a lot of advice and consulting and especially with small employers. It's very fulfilling and I absolutely love it. Well, wonderful. That's a great answer. And especially for me being a business owner, I mean, your services are what are you're serving small businesses, all size businesses, correct? Yes. Yes. All size. Wonderful. Well, you you and I also got to know each other through the Chamber of Commerce, the local Brentwood Chamber of Commerce, and you have been active in that Chamber of Commerce, and that's where that that little picture that we had was of you at the expo representing your company, Ferber Law. So tell us a little bit about why you got involved in the Chamber and what it is that you like about the Chamber. So the Chamber is a magnificent organization to get to know people, network, socialize, and also serve the community. You know, it's it's one way of being connected locally to to Brentwood. I live here. I love I love Brentwood. I was raised in Clayton. Um, I love East County, and so it was a way to get to know people uh, and um, see really make connections, make connections in the community. Um, and some of the things that have been great, we have the mixers, of course. Um, and then we have these lunch and learns that have really been great. We've had lots of different um, business owners present on different topics. And I usually do an annual uh, law update at the beginning of, of each year to kind of let um, people know what the new laws are in California with regard to employment, of course. And um, as you know, those change almost daily now with, with COVID. It seems that every day there's there's something different. So I'm each each year I try to do a, an annual update on the law and those have been pretty well attended. I think people appreciated those. And again, I got to meet a lot of really nice um, business owners um, and we stay in touch. You know, you see people downtown, people call me. I just got a call recently from someone that attended one of my lunch and learns and said, hey, I've got this issue in the workplace. Can you help me out? Of course. So, yeah, I, I, I enjoy meeting people and I certainly do, I love the chamber. Well, you do a wonderful job. I have attended those lunch and learns and it's great because you're donating your time and you're really preparing. And of course the chamber is a lot of business owners and managers and you're you're informing them um, all, all they're doing is attending during their nice little lunch that you provide and great, great nuggets of information that uh, people walk away from. And I know part of the message that I got out of it was to be it was to work with somebody like you to be proactive rather which you know is a whole is people think of oh i gotta call my call the lawyer immediately when there's a crisis but you're educating people to to be one step ahead of that so the crisis doesn't happen and if it does happen you're really prepared so um share a little bit about how you how you prepare businesses and, and what that, sure. that looks yeah, that's a really good point, Tricia. Thanks for raising that. So a, a large amount of my practice is, of course, litigation. When someone gets, an employer gets sued, of course, I'm here to, to defend that lawsuit. But really, the um, a lot of my practice is advice and um, consulting. And it's so, so important, especially in California, um, to really be aware of what the laws are with regard to hiring, firing, um, particularly wage and hour right now. That's one of the major, major places that employee um, employers get hit because there's so many particular wage and hour requirements. And I'm not just talking about minimum wage or, you know, you think you might know the overtime. 
some of the basic things, but there's so many minutiae and um, different laws now affecting wage and hour. And unfortunately, there's a lot of penalties attached and it's kind of a prime area for a lot of plaintiff's attorneys to hit because there's attorney fees attached for the attorneys. So um, we do see a lot of our employers getting hit with these wage and hour and they're totally preventable. These are not difficult things. So you really just have to know, you know, hey, what do I need to do? So a lot of what I do is go in and talk to small employers and say, let's look, let's see what your practices are. What are you doing with when you hire an employee? What paperwork are you giving them? Are you having them sign a preventative harassment and discrimination policy? Um, tell, show me a pay stub. Let's make sure it complies with California law. Do you have every single thing listed on the pay stub? Do you have the sick time accumulating? You know, do you, do you give it at the, do you front load it at the, in January, the 24 hours, or do you give it one for every 30 hours? And, oh, I didn't even know I was supposed to have it on the paycheck. I give ah. it, but I don't have it on the paycheck. So things things that are really, they're not that complicated. And what I always tell clients is, you know, spend, it might seem like, you know, even if you spend an hour with me, okay, you're spending an hour attorney time, but it saves you so much money in the long run because you're oh, not yeah. going to get sued. You're not going to get sued. Absolutely. I can guarantee you yeah. nothing. <laughs> if, if you get sued, you're going to be in this fantastic position of being in a the best position you could be in a defensive posture is what I should say. <laughs> so um, let's now chat a little bit about your article, because in the article, you talk a little bit about business, but really you focus on find it's called finding opportunity in the struggle. And you talk about invisible illness that you are, that you've suffered from, which I didn't realize that until one time you, you know, talked to me about that at a little lunch that we had. And I was really surprised. So, and then you were willing to share that in this article. Was that a hard decision to say, okay, I'm going to kind of go public with this and I'm going to share this with people? That was a really, really difficult decision. It was very, very hard. Um, and I, that's something I haven't shared uh, locally in Brentwood or with my firm or professionally on t until the last, until the past year. And it was a very, very difficult decision. Um, I think sometimes we just have to get to a place in our lives, and I'm sure others have experienced this in other areas. You know, we all have fears. We're all human. And, you know, my fear happens to be disclosing that I live with an invisible disability. I have a fear that people might think differently of me, might think I'm not can't be a good lawyer or might see me as you see me today. And I look well, I don't look sick. Um, and so a lot of times I hear people, I always am worried people are going to think I'm faking it. Um, so I had to really jump through a lot of old stuff, a lot of things um, in life experience that had taught me those fears to be able to um, go public, come out of hiding, basically. Um, and I'm, I don't regret it at all. Of course, of course, the article just came out, so I can't regret it yet. But I don't think, I don't think, I'm, I don't think I'm going to, regardless of the reaction is what I'm saying. I, I made the decision for myself based on and, and, and decided to um, set aside reactions and just go with go with what I what I needed to do. So I'm 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 I don't regret it, and I'm hoping that it really helps other people um, feel more comfortable and realize that there's a lot of support out there for people that live with invisible disabilities. So that's that's what I'm hoping. Well, I mean, it it I feel that it was brave of you to do it, but I will just say that in my in when I read this article, I was it really touched me, and it really um, I don't know it, it came. 
uh, it became personal for me as well, just because I realized that, that, you know, um, my son has an issue that when it comes to ADD and that's kind of one of those invisible illnesses. He's got friends who are, uh, you know, Asperger's, um, on, you know, epilepsy. And I've seen how that has affected how society has treated them and how it's affected their self-esteem. So I, I mean, I think this is great. You are a lawyer who advocates for people with these dis disabilities. In addition to yourself, which we talk about in the, in the magazine, you mentioned the term called ableism. Explain what that is. So yeah, thanks for asking. Um, so ableism is really just like any other ism. So think of the other isms we use, racism, sexism. So ableism is discrimination in favor of someone able-bodied. And when we talk about discrimination, I, I wanna make sure people understand, at least when, I, when I'm using the phrase, um, a lot of the times it's nothing that is intentional and sometimes it's not even conscious. A lot of times it's subconscious and things we've been taught that we're not even aware of. So most of my experience has with ableism, it has, it hasn't, sometimes I, I have had some experiences that have been very hurtful and painful where someone has directed something to me in a very offensive manner because of my disability. Yes, that has happened. Is that the majority of time? No, because that's not the way we operate. It's more subtle. And a lot of times, honestly, people, it's very unintentional. So um, as examples of what I'm talking about, people use language um, that we were raised with, that we use as lingo, that it's our normal standard vocabulary. That um, So language and words are very important. For, for example, um, I'll, I'll this, use as an example when someone refers to, oh, the homeless person, or oh, that homeless, oh, that, that, as opposed to, I, you know, I saw someone at Safeway today, they didn't look like they had a home. I saw that they were holding a bag mm. and a backpack. Just that slight difference, it's, yeah. it's, it's a big difference. Um, and words do impact someone. And so um, for someone with an invisible disability, whether it's ADD, Asperger's, um, anxiety, depression, um, I have a neurocardial condition, I also live with COPD, whatever the invisible condition is, most of the time people don't know it because it is invisible. Now the same goes with it's visible. If it's a disability that is visible, this uh, the experience of ableism is is ingrained in our society, and we don't even know that we're looking at people differently, or treating them differently, or thinking differently. It's mostly access issues, access barriers that we're not aware of. Um, you know, before we started the show, Tricia, we were talking about. Um, uh, the COVID pandemic and that, you know, every, a lot of people are getting vaccinated, pretty soon things are gonna open up. That's fantastic and that's great. I wanna make sure we bring along people that need to still work remotely, that still need to come to events remotely occasionally, because there's a lot of people at home that can't go to events on a regular basis locally at Bremen for whatever reason. Could be too much stimuli, could be because they're too sick, whatever the reason. I want to make sure that we don't go back to our ways of ableism and excluding um. those 
that are not able-bodied by saying, oh, we're having this, you know, we're having our, our grand reopening and, and we're having this huge event. Fantastic. Of course, we need to do that. But what I want to promote is include people at home. We don't have to shut off the technology. It's worked for a year. There's no reason we cannot have remote access via Zoom, via whatever platform we want to use. There's absolutely no reason. People do it all over the world, all the time. We're a global community worldwide. So I just want to promote that and, and hopefully the local community will get on board and we will be we will include people that have been excluded prior to this. And that's an example of ableism. We don't think about it. Yes, yes. Wow, you are so right. And I, I'm gonna be honest, I didn't think about that. I did think about the fact that how um, the good sides of what has come out of COVID, some of the good things, which are how easily it is for all of us to Zoom now because we were forced, right? Yes, how, right. How, so I, and and I, I've learned through my son and other people who are close to me about a little more about the ableism as far as witnessing it myself and, and understanding it, but only because of, I mean, not that I've had it suffered from anything directly from myself, but in, in, in kind of, you know, understanding what I've seen them suffer from, which if I, they weren't in my life, I wouldn't be conscious of it. You know, yes. I wouldn't have probably necessarily been that conscious of it, that what was, how I was, you know, probably a part of the problem without realizing it just because I didn't understand. So speaking of COVID and how, you know, uh, um, what has changed as a result of it, how has it, how, what's been the silver lining for you with, and for people who suffer from invisible illnesses, talk a little bit about more of that. Well, so for me personally, um, my condition, um, I have to conserve energy. So um, the way the cardiologist explained it to me is picture yourself running in place all day long. That's basically what your body's doing. That's how your heart's functioning. That's how your blood pressure is. That's how your heart rate is. And so, of course, you would have various symptoms with that, right? Like you'd be severely fatigued, you'd get nauseous, you'd have headaches, you'd be hot, you'd be exhausted. So um, basically, it takes me four times the amount of energy to complete the same task that it would take you to complete, Tricia. So for me, getting to an event at lunch or in the evening, I have to plan way ahead and think and literally plan it out. So if, I am, if I'm going to meet with a client, it's a lot of preparation. The day before, I have to make sure that I am not doing anything to save my energy because the next day I need to get in the car. Driving is a huge drain, right? Because it's energy, any, any energy drain. And so there's a lot of resting in between. It's all very planned. It's like it's like being in this play and acting, and then you're on stage. And the minute you get there, you're on stage. Hi, nice to meet you. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm doing great. Sit down and you start your meeting. So it's a constant acting. Um, so for me, being able to discard the energy demand of getting in the car and going in person to meetings, I have been able to attend more functions. I've been able to join more committees. I've been able to serve in other ways that I would not have been able to otherwise because of having to get dressed, having to drive, 
et cetera, et cetera. So for me, that has been the silver lining. Um, and I, I acknowledge and recognize Zoom fatigue like everyone else. Uh, you know, we're on Zoom constantly now, I get it. Um, but there has been that piece where I can connect with people that I would not have otherwise been able to and be on committees and, and, and serve the community in other ways. Wonderful. Well, every time I see you, I, I mean, I just had no idea because you always just, I mean, you look like a million dollars and you're just put together no. and then you're you're happy and cheerful and you're just always a pleasure to be around. And I've, I've, that's what I've always loved. I've always felt great energy from you and we always connect, we connected right from the, right from the start, which was wonderful. And, and I've been, a, of course, a big part of the chamber and um, proponent of, of promoting the chamber. And so, so we, that, that's the good news is we get to see each other through those events until COVID hits. And then now um, the chamber will be doing more events as, you know, as people get vaccinated and things start to open back up and all that good stuff later on in the year. Um, but let's go back to the article. In it, you talk about embracing invisible disabilities, ending the silence of shame was a webinar that you hosted and presented at the California Women's Lawyers event, for which it received an award and a Contra Costa County Bar event that, um, so, so tell me about how that event, how that whole thing was received, obviously well, because you got an award. And, and share a little bit about that, your passion behind that. Sure. So that was really an exciting event. That was the first time that I spoke publicly. Um, and let me tell you how that came together. And this is the power of numbers and the power of having allies and feeling like someone has your back and someone supporting you versus trying to do it alone. Um, and that happened actually literally right before COVID hit. Um, the last weekend in February, 2020, I mean, we, I, should, I shouldn't say before it hit, before the lockdown and right when we didn't really know a lot about it, um, we had the first ever um, Bay Area retreat for women's lawyers in Sonoma. And that's where we Ooh. all gathered and yeah. it was really a great weekend. We thought we might have to cancel it, but we didn't. Anyway, um, that's where during this, we had an icebreaker and one of the icebreakers was we drew concentric circles with um, like three concentric circles and you had to write the different um, parts of yourself on these circles. And then you had like five minutes to go around the room and you had to choose four different people in five minutes and try to match up uh, your different identities and just to, as an icebreaker. So at the very end of the five minutes, we had like a minute left. I just happened to walk up to this woman, of course, didn't know her. She, she kind of met my eyes. We walked up to each other, hi, hi. And I had written on one of my circles, invisible disability, and no one had seen it. No one had asked of the other people. And she looked down and she goes, oh, I wrote the same thing. And wow. I was like, no way. And she stopped and she goes, well, wait, she goes, maybe she goes, I don't know if you consider what I have to be an invisible disability. And I said, oh, you know, share that with, share more with me. And she said, well, I suffer from generalized anxiety. And I said, of mm. course, I consider that ah. to be an invisible disability. But there again was the stigma and the reaction and the fear. Um, and you see this a lot in the mental health world where people are afraid to say, I suffer from depression or generalized anxiety or bipolar, whatever the diagnosis is. Um, if people want to self-identify that way, no one's pressuring, but if you want to self-identify that stigma that, that she felt by saying that to me. Um, and so then I explained that I had this neurocardio condition. And so after that, we were like, this is, 
that was the first time she had told anyone the first time i had and so during the break wow. we sat, yeah we sat down and chatted and we were like this has been going on too long like what are we going to do about this this is ridiculous and so um later on we met another lawyer at that event and she also suffered um you know lived with an invisible disability she shared with us what hers was and so we were like okay we're done we are going to get some, we're going to get we're going to wow. do a webinar well at that time we thought it was going to be a live event so um and so we all got together and that's that's how it started and so i i pretty much um took charge of that event and, and put it together and we also added a couple other panelists we added another associate from ferber law my firm um because her sister lives with an invisible disability and we wanted to have the perspective of a family member kind of like what you were just saying trisha it's it's very there's a very different experience but it's very significant and important piece and then we also added Michelle Ferber, the managing shareholder of Ferber Law, um, as having an employer talk about how it is to hire someone with a disability and how it's not as difficult to accommodate as some might think. So that event went off extremely well. It was very well received. Um, and it was, it was one of the highest attended events from the year for the California Women's Lawyer. And what it showed everyone was people are hungering for this. People are hungering and so, grateful that someone has brought this to the forefront because people want to come out of hiding and want support and want allies um we were concerned i didn't want it just to be a women's issue because as you know there's a lot of stigma particularly around medical conditions mental health as well as invisible disabilities that you know oh just you know get up and stand up and like you know you must be stressed or you're tired or you know yeah whatever people say about women right so um we um wanted to make sure that we got men involved with this and we did um and so we now have a um committee set up for the contra costa county bar um and um dismantling ableism and we do have two gentlemen on the committee and it's they're fantastic um and so we have we tried to spread out our um our allies and we have people that with disabilities and without and our goal is to increase access that's you know increase access and remove the barriers um for people with disabilities wow that is amazing oh my gosh that was meant to be the way that all came together right oh, totally. Totally. Like when things like that happen, you know that you're yeah. on, or like the universe is with you and you just have to walk through the fear. You just have to push Absolutely. through it. Because, yeah. Yeah. And in, in, in the article, which we have it, like I said, on the website, there's the digital version uh, or the print version. They can actually go to, there's a hot link to the YouTube of that event right of that presentation yes, thank you for including that i think you did yes thank you I yes absolutely so that if anybody wants to check that out they can do that and in the article you state that there is one in ten people that suffer from an invisible disability in america so this is huge this, this is, is a huge lot than people realize and that statistic is really underreported um, that's yeah. way underreported um, because that's how people self-identify. And um, that's probably been from two years ago, but it is underreported even even at that. Um, and I just want to say, you know, I I really hope that people um, that we can raise people's awareness, continue to educate on uh, both invisible and visible. It's, it's disabilities in general that we need to be more aware of and more accommodating and um, uh, learn to communicate, learn to speak in appropriate words and language yes. and not just people, people that live with disabilities have, in my view, I, I'll speak for myself, have a responsibility to 
help other people learn to communicate. We haven't been taught. I, I wasn't taught to talk, my gosh, we never talked about illness or or anxiety or oh. depression or, or a disability. You saw someone in a wheelchair, we were taught, honey, don't say anything. Don't look the other way, say nothing. That was what how we were raised. So we wanna break through that. And so people that do live with disabilities, it's really important that we teach people and are open and, and to having a conversation. When someone says to me, how are you feeling? I try not to always say, great. I try if I know ah. that they're really being sincere. Hey, if you have a minute, I'd love to share with you how I really am feeling today. Ah. And give people the opportunity to converse back and forth so people feel in a safe environment. Wow, wow, great information. And, and um, you mentioned Michelle Ferber and Ferber Law. And talk a little bit about how they have actually been a wonderful workplace and, and for an environment for you and, and your invisible illness, right? Talk yes. So, yes, Ferber Law is definitely a, a, a leader in diversity, equity, and inclusion. We're a small firm in San Ramon. Um, I work remotely, com completely remotely from home, and that was something that was allowed um, because of my invisible disability. And Michelle uh, Ferber is a strong advocate for for across the board um, for all types of accommodation, and and that can be because you have a child at home, that can be because you know, you're going through a divorce or you've had a death in your family. The the goal with an employer always is build employees' morale, work work with your employees, and honestly, you'll have a way better workplace. Um, so I, I, I have reduced hours, I have flexible hours, um, I um, recently, um, Michelle was a huge support in a motion that we filed last summer um, against opposing counsel. I needed to take depositions remotely, which really was not a big ask as it was COVID season, but opposing counsel was not happy with that. Um, and also I needed to do depositions in four hour segments, not eight hours. I couldn't go for a full eight hours because I just physically cannot do it. And um, opposing counsel would not agree and I wanted to inquire into the nature of my disability. I was, it was, it was upsetting to me. And a lot of times it's harder for me to advocate for myself than someone else. Ah, so yeah. I really, really um, was thankful that Michelle, Michelle stood up and said, no, we're, we're going to, we're going to submit this motion. And we won and we got the remote depositions and I was able to take them in, in four hour segments. So it does help to have allies and people Again, the power of numbers, people behind you, so you're so you're not alone. And that's really my message today. I, I am here for anyone. Mm -hmm. Contact me. My email's there. I'm happy to speak with anyone um, about this issue and to work on you know ways of communicating, improving whatever we need to do, especially locally in Brentwood. I'm, I'm happy to to do whatever is necessary. Wonderful. Wow. Well, thank you so much for your time. Please, uh, people want more information. There. There's the article. Uh, you can just reach out to Julianne easily. She's with Ferber Law, and that's her, their website is ferberlaw.com. And you know what? This was so informative and enlightening and just such a pleasure to chat with you. I always learn from you, so it's it's awesome to, to really dive in a little deeper. And you share your personal site. I think that uh, for me just, I don't know, it... it you're such an advocate, right? And you've had to learn to advocate for yourself. And I admire that in you. And and you do wonderful things for the chamber and the local community. And then you advocate on so many different levels. And so people need to check out this silence. 
ending the silence of shame, it's such an important message. And they can find that on our, they can find the link in the, in the article and on our website. So thank you, Julianne, so much. Thank you so much, Tricia, for having me. Love you always. Love everybody. Take care. Love Stay you. safe. Love you too. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.